0: Have you ever been contacted by an influencer wanting free services? Me neither, but some of you have. And today we'll talk with my friend about how to respond. Welcome to the
1: Refine Podcast with Amber Anderson, where wedding planners like you come to be encouraged and challenged through radical honesty, tough love, and brilliant ideas. As a former personal trainer turned wedding planner and now educator, Amber is known for helping wedding planners grow through her no BS, yet considerate and thoughtful approach. The Refined Podcast tackles the issues you think about, but fear bringing up, all with Amber's trademark sass and wit. So as you listen, be sure to hit that subscribe button, making sure you never miss that one little nugget that could change it all for you. All
0: right. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Refine Podcast. As always, I'm excited to spend some time with you today. Today, we have a guest, and I'm excited for this friend to join me. This friend has been a big part of Refine over the last few years, was an admin in our group for a little while. And so, yeah, without further ado, meet my friend, Joe Rogers of Contagious Events out of New England, Boston area. Joe, hi. Welcome.
1: Hey, Amber, thanks for having me.
0: Yes, thanks for taking the time out of your day to to talk with us. This topic came up in the Refine Collective recently and you had someone ask this, like, what do you say to an influencer? And you had a awesome response. So I was like, hey, Joe, wanna go on the podcast? Let's talk. Joe, tell us a little bit about you for a second. Who are you? What do you do? What do you specialize in? Why are you here?
1: Sure, so I'm Joe. Own contagious events. We are based in Boston and um, plan weddings mostly in New England with some of the COVID rescheduling. We actually are traveling this year, so we're excited to get out of the New England bubble. We primarily do weddings. There are a few kind of social events or nonprofits, but about 80 to 90% of our business is weddings. So that's where our focus is. Yeah. I've been doing this for, gosh, this is my 13th year. I'm getting Looking old. 13? Yeah.
0: Hey, so tell us, if this is a sidebar, tell us about your selfie game with your couples.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So once upon a time at one of my weddings, I had a very anxious groom who just could not keep himself from fidgeting and was just really having a hard time focusing. And I had the whole wedding party lined up for their introductions and he was still, you know, like fidgeting and pacing and you could just see the nerves. So I actually just walked right up to them and said, hey guys, let's take a selfie right before your intro, just to try to distract him. So we did the selfie, I posted it on Instagram, and then the next week, I was lining the wedding party up for their introductions, and the bride said, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, this is our selfie time. And so now it's become a tradition, we do, I do a wedding selfie with all of our couples, and it's passed down now that I've grown the team Our lead planners at all of the weddings we do. It's become tradition to take a selfie with the couple right before the intro.
0: Okay, so I don't know that I knew the full extent of that story. That's kind of fun. I don't. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was a happy (laughs) accident. That's really fun. I'm glad to ask that question. That's pretty brilliant. You know, you just gotta. I've learned that in parenting, like just distract them, just redirect, distract. (laughs) So good for you. Okay, so in this conversation, we're going to be talking about influencers and. You know, with that at times comes, you know, high profile people in general. And so Mm -hmm. talk to me about your experience with high profile clients or um, anyone really like clients, guests, vendor partners, maybe events you've attended when you were a guest. Like what is your, a minute ago when we were prepping for this, you even mentioned something that I thought was interesting. Like, yeah, talk to me about that a little bit.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I guess I'll share that, you know, our role in terms of interacting with people that we would consider influencers is multifaceted, but typically it's, you know, as a planner and they're usually either the client or they might be like our client's parents or a mother. And so, you know, what I've noticed over the years, and I think probably what I mentioned to you that caught your attention is what I found is that, you know, the influencers who truly have clout and, you know name recognition in my experience we actually didn't find out who they were until after the contract was signed and they paid full amount i don't know if we're just lucky or if this is pretty standard but for the most part the influencers that i've worked with my takeaway is that they're people just like us and truthfully they just want to be treated the same way that we would treat you know our other couples The one exception, obviously, is that there are some quirks, you know, when you are dealing with high profile people, there are some, I guess you could say, you know, necessary evils that you have to consider. Mm -hmm. With some of our couples, you know, you just have to say right off the bat, you know, what are the other considerations, you know, beyond things like security and privacy and things like that? What else, you know, is on your mind that you would like us to help you navigate? But yeah, I would say, you know, for the most part, you know when we're approached by someone and they haven't signed a contract and they lead with who they are or you know that they have this massive audience that they could share our name with my answer is kind of prove it but in a more polite way what i tell them is you know that's great that you have a market i you know would love for you to share our name if you think that our services are fantastic and i'm honored that you thought to reach out to us And, you know, we make an offer and what we tell them is, you know, you pay full price upfront, just like everybody else. But what we'll do is we'll set you up on an affiliate or a commission model. Um, And so we offer to build this person a, you know, their own branded landing page on our website with their own contact form that they can share with their audience. And for every event that we book through their special link, they get 10% of the booking fee. And we tell them you can earn up to 100% of your fee with us right back. So, and I don't say this to them, but if they are a good influencer and they do have an active, you know, audience, that's the right fit for our brand and would be beneficial for us to get in front of, then, you know, they will get their money back. But if they, you know... Don't believe in their talent, or if they know that they don't have the right audience and they're just looking for something free, then chances are they won't book with us. And that's fine because we wouldn't have gotten anything out of it anyway.
0: Right. I feel like that's a really, really professional, very creative, business savvy way of saying no with a yes. You know, it's kind of like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: that's, Um, you know, I think that that's the thing, right, is I think that influencers in general, there seems to be kind of a I guess it's, you know, there is a cloud over anyone who either claims to be an influencer or people, you know, I feel like there's like an eye roll that comes with saying someone is an influencer. And I thought something that was really interesting when we were talking about this refine in the group was that, you know, I don't know if if the refine audience really thinks about this, but as wedding planners, we are influencers. So we are part of that crowd. And so we have to kind of, you know, put ourselves in, in that shoe. You know, we have a market, we have couples who are looking for vendors, we recommend services to our couples. So we are also influencers.
0: Yeah, that's a really good mindset shift, because you're right. I feel like the event industry as a whole, whether that's social or corporate or whatever, like we really are at the forefront of experiences and experiences are what moves our culture. And Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right there. That's a a really good way of thinking about that. I, I like that value add to the conversation for sure. And, you know, kind of going back to something you said about they don't necessarily reveal who they are up front. I've really only dealt, I've really only worked with one like legit high profile person, right? Like anyone said, people can say they are, but one that was like legit high profile. And you're right. And thinking back at it, I don't think I was presented with who I was dealing with until a certain stage in like the interview process. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: and I think too, sometimes just like a word of caution here is that sometimes I think that we can get really stuck on our process and our system and, and the idea that like, this is how I do it and are unwilling to, I think sometimes we rob ourselves of some really cool opportunities given that there really might be a reason why someone else has to do it a little bit differently. It's not that they're a red flag client or a bad client or a hard client or not an ideal client. It's just that they have red tape that is so beyond our business (laughs) that, you know, like there's Hollywood red tape, there's political red tape. There are also circumstances too, if we're like, this is kind of a side track of this conversation, but like in general, where like there might be foster children involved or there might be, you know, Someone in some sort of protection program or something, and it just requires a little bit more conversation in the sales process. That to us as planners, I think we all too often are like, that's a red flag. They want another conversation. It's like just hear them out a hot second. And so yeah, I, th- I think we can look for other red flags to pair it. But like I don't, I don't just automatically say no. I think is my point. Um, lean in a little bit because yeah, that did. I now that I think about it. It was revealed to me a little bit later in the interview process. For sure. That is interesting. And because I've only done that once, I don't know what standard on that either. So, okay. Talk to me about your take on the reality of influence. And you touched on this a minute ago. It's like, if they know that they can do it and they're legit, then they they'll take that offer. If they don't, then they tend to, they're, they're going to fall off. So like, what are the levels of influence and what would you find to be a good fit? And like, do you think a planner should decide that? Or do you think really based on that offer that you make doesn't matter, they're paying you for it.
1: Yeah, so I think when we talk about influencers, you know, there are different categories, right? So there are, you know, influencers who have, you know, big followings on social media accounts, but they're not necessarily famous beyond the social media channel, right? Mm -hmm. So, I think a good example is you know, I'm not super active on YouTube, but I know that there are a lot of YouTube celebrities. I could run into one of them at the grocery store and wouldn't know the difference. Right. And so, I think, you know, there are different levels of influences in that sense because they do position themselves in front of thousands, sometimes millions of people. And then you have kind of, you know, What I would call like the old school group of influencers which are you know the Hollywood celebrities or you know just the household names that we all we all know Uh, you know we definitely know the name maybe sometimes not the face so we've I've worked with famous authors where everyone knows the name but has no idea what what they look like right and so I think you know as a wedding planner when you're dealing with any type of influencer as as any business owner I think wedding planners especially we get caught up because we're in a social business and there is know the sense of clout to say that you helped organize so and so's you know wedding but really i think i think we have to put our business hats on and really think hard about you know what is the return on investment and so i think you know for us when we started kind of thinking about this i see influencers honestly as as an advertiser and so if someone comes to me and says you know, I want you to do my wedding for free and I'm going to help promote your services. Well, really, how is that any different than me paying the knot for a listing on their website, right? And so you have to think about who is your influencer's audience? Who are they really in front of? And is that the right fit? And I think there's a lot of considerations that go into whether or not you know, it's a worthwhile investment, you know, part of the problem with influencers is that they could have millions of followers, but we're talking about a global audience. Most of us in Refine, we don't, we probably don't have global audiences. I know that there are some who do destination weddings and things like that, but I think the majority of us are somewhat limited geographically. So you really have to think about you know, not only how big is the reach, but also is it the right reach? And is is my audience concentrated within their audience? Is it a right fit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The really high profile one that I did, actually, this person is integral to really movies the way we know them today. We would not have Hollywood as it is without this person. If you know, I would just like throw out a name, half the people would be like, Oh yeah, I know that is, and half the people would be like, I don't know, that is kind of like you're talking about the author thing and like nuances mm-hmm. there. But everyone is impacted by the result of the work of this person, right? So like that meant there were movie stars there and all this stuff, but like there is zero return on me having worked with this person because of those nuances and then also because of the NDAs involved and not being able to use any pictures at all even details like nothing I and mean, we had like mm-hmm. death threats from t- like TMZ was reporting death threats and stuff over this person getting married and it's just like so when that kind of stuff is involved like what i learned <laughs> was that like that was fun right like yeah. <laughs> i got to meet some cool people and they're all really nice and some of them are now friends but also um, like it did nothing for my business. And quite frankly, it was really stressful because of the hours that they worked. I was like working at 3 a.m. because they mm. were across the world doing stuff. In a different and, time zone. A different time zone. And so that's fun. But like I really like there's no reward there. So On the NDA and no picks note, like, what is your thought on that? Do you up your contract? Do you uh, like your pricing? Do you just do it because they're paying you and you don't need it in your portfolio? Do you like, what are your thoughts on that conversation as a whole in the industry? Because that's not just influencers, there might even be people in general that just want that privacy.
1: Right, right. And so, you know, I, I think that we have kind of an interesting, an interesting answer to that. So I have a client who is, you know, very A-list celebrity who came to us a few years ago and basically just wanted to have a social event at their home for a few of of their friends. They inquired, didn't name drop or anything like that. Even you know, when they signed the contracts, we were explained, you know, that it was actually a trust that owned the property, so the trust representative would be the one signing the agreements. We truly didn't know until we did a site visit who the client was. And then it became pretty clear, you know, that we couldn't share any photographs, we couldn't do anything. And I think for me, you know, my initial response was of, you know, disappointment because obviously you, you know, when you, when you start working with someone who has a name brand, you want to share that, right? Because there is value in the wedding business to say, oh, I, I did an event for so-and-so. It's a badge of honor. And, you know, so I was a little disappointed going into it, but I have to tell you that the more I think about it and the more that we kind of navigated the needs of this particular client, I became a little bit more understanding of of just their situation. You know, this wasn't like a selfish, I don't want you to have pictures. It was oh, more of this is a risk if these photos, you know, are used in in the wrong manner. And so I think, you know, as planners, we kind of have to step back and say, maybe it's for the better of the client that we not do this. And I, I think that it shows a level of professionalism. So I have no problem signing NDAs. I have no problem, you know, telling a client that we will be respectful of the images, you know, and for this particular client, you know, we went the extra step further. We had those conversations with their vendors before they booked the contract. I just flat out said, you know, here's the deal. When you arrive at the event, you are going to recognize who this person is. Please do not send, you know, a team that's going to ask for autographs or photos with the client because that's not gonna happen. We can't have any pictures taken. This particular client actually also had a photo booth and, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with with your client. There are rounds of approvals that have to happen before you can, you know, just choose choose a vendor. So, I mean, just imagine what we went through to get a photo booth approved. But I actually, before we had contracted with this vendor, I explained to the photo booth attendant that, you know, that we were going to have to purchase the hard drive from their computer at the end of the event. And, you know, he was a little confused and I said, no, quite literally, when the event is over and you are packing up, I'm going to approach you and ask you to take the hard drive out of the computer and give it to me. And, and I said, we will pay you for it. I'm not saying, you know, that, that we expect this as part of the package, but you have to include that within the quote. And so I did exactly that at the end of the event. The client actually witnessed the exchange and asked me what, what I was doing. And so I explained to them, oh, well, I took the hard drive. So now we know for sure, these are the only photos from the photo booth. And it turns out that this event is actually an annual event now and we manage it for them almost every year. We've had two years off now because of COVID, but hopefully we'll be back next year doing the same event. And I think, you know, as long as you can kind of, I think take a step back and understand, you know, the needs of influencers or celebrities might be a little bit different than the average family. And, you know, just kind of react accordingly. It doesn't really cost me anything to not have their photos on my website because I don't market my business as a celebrity wedding planner. So I don't I don't need to have that imagery or that clout. So it doesn't hurt me to not have it. And I'd rather have the relationship.
0: Exactly. And what I was gonna say, I was gonna latch onto the relationship pieces because I think a lot of times, like most luxury planners don't have to say they're luxury planners, right? They- mm-hmm. It just kind of, they meet the right client and then it goes from there and it's word of mouth. It may or may not even have a social media presence. They don't need that. It's all, you know, so none of that clout matters. It just, the idea that you are a trusted professional goes a long way and will pay your bills and then some, and expose you to some really fun and exciting things. And you do say something really important about like, levels of influence can change the needs of someone. And I think that sometimes we get emotionally attached to the idea of something and even to our our systems and and the way we operate and forget that sometimes other people they're not being difficult like you said it's it's really like they've experienced things like i said death threats like i've never experienced a death threat i can't imagine to know so when they tell me that these things need to happen i mean that's important and so they they have people jumping their fence i don't so (laughs) yeah it's not it's not a red flag it's just that they they live life in a different way and 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 really have to hire people that can can get on board with that. So kind of as we wrap up, I want to ask you one last question. If a planner were to choose to say yes to something like this, whether it's an influencer that they know that the world would know that whatever or the A-lister that we'd all walk into and recognize, what are some high-level pointers you'd give?
1: Oh boy, I could go on for days, but I'll I'll try to be quick. I would say first and foremost, do not let the fact that they're an influencer or a celebrity have any impact on the way that you do your business. You know, you were approached because of your brand and your brand's reputation. So you were doing something right and you should continue to do that. You know, that's why they came to you. I think, you know, really, if you decide to say yes, you know, I think deep down and determine why are you saying yes? Is this really... You know, a business thing. Are you doing it for the experience? What was your reason for saying yes? And there isn't, you know, a right or wrong answer here. If, if you, you know, I can I could think of a couple of celebrities who came to me and said, I want to plan your wedding for free. And I probably would consider paying them to let me plan the wedding just for yeah, the experience all and hanging
0: you, right? I, bet so, I bet you know who mine is. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, I would say also don't be hard on yourself if this isn't, you know, strictly a business transaction. If you're doing that for experience, that's okay. But make sure from the very beginning that you understand why your yes was yes and stick to it. And then, you know, as you kind of navigate those early conversations with your client, you definitely want to um, build as many safeguards as possible. So we're talking about like ironclad contracts. Anytime that I work with someone who I consider to be an influencer or you know, high profile, my lawyer looks at that contract because they get something completely unique. It's not a blanket, you know, contract. And, and the reason is, like you said, there's so many other factors, you know, when... We're planning an event where you know the trust is paying for it, and the manager of the trust is the one who's financially responsible. Well, that, now that's another decision maker that we're adding into the list. So, within your contract, you want to make sure that you understand how many decision makers are there, and do they have you know just carte blanche and can decide on pretty much anything, or are they categorized that they can only make decisions on certain things? And that would be, you know, important. I think two ways that you can approach this is you can limit the number of decision makers and you can just tell, you know, the influencer, I can't plan a wedding with more than, you know, four cooks in the kitchen. So who are the four people? And you can go that route or you can ask them for a list. And if you feel like you can tackle it, then go ahead. But my recommendation is to limit it and just tell them I can really only answer to this many people. So who are your people?
0: Educate them on on your why, just because they have needs doesn't mean that your needs aren't, Real. So, like, you don't have to bend over backwards on all of them, but like, what is the compromise? Like, have the conversation.
1: Exactly. And also, just kind of making sure that they understand, you know, where the lines are drawn in terms of responsibilities, you know. So, these are, you know, sometimes these are clients who they may not really understand how wedding planners work because they've, you know, maybe they've never planned a wedding before. And you know, maybe they don't really understand the division of responsibility between different vendors. So, you know, you definitely want to make sure that your client understands that you are not the security team, that you are not the babysitter telling people that they can't take pictures with their phones during the ceremony, you know, that those are separate responsibilities and separate vendors who need to be hired to do that job. And then the other big piece of advice I have is to add a communication clause in your agreement. And this is going to look a little different than probably what communication clauses would typically look like for planners. So, you know, like we have communication clauses in our agreements that outline how clients can communicate with us. And, you know, some planners limit the number of you know, phone calls or, you know, in-person meetings. When I say add a communication clause for an influencer or for a celebrity, I mean making them liable and responsible for checking in with you on a minimum of, you know, X number of meetings per month. And for us, we ask for 90 minutes a month just to touch base. And we outline kind of the the timeline window of, you know, this 90 minutes could be scheduled anywhere between, you know, 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday through Friday or whatever the rule is that you want to make. And the reason for that, you know, again, these are people who are traveling all over the world, dealing with different time zones. They're not in charge of their own schedule. So You know, you really certainly want to work with them and and on their schedule, and it's helpful to be flexible, but you also want to make sure that they understand this is their responsibility as well. We can't plan a wedding if we can't communicate with our clients. So you have to kind of put some responsibility on them as well, that they're going to have to stay in touch with you.
0: Yes. And I, you know, for any client, but like you said, there's just added layers of complexity that have to be really, really discussed in advance so that it's not a surprise that you're working at 3 a.m., you know, months into it. It's like, oh,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, no, I'm glad that you, you added those things. One thing that I would add here as we close out is also making sure that, um, and this is not profound at all, but I, for some reason, feel like it still needs to be said, because sometimes I see these things happen. And to me, I'm like, this feels obvious, but here we are making sure that whoever you hire or on your own team and then the vendors that you entrust with this understand about their teams that like you're not like our staff is not taking pictures with these people and and, and I see this happen more so when we're at an event that's just like every day whoever and then there's a celebrity guest that no one knew was coming and then everyone's like crushing over it and running over and taking pictures like they're just they need to have they're here to have fun. Like this is the one place, like it's a private event, let them leave them alone. So they spend their whole lives taking pictures with people and (laughs) so let them have three hours of fun with their own friends. Make sure your staff knows and understands that, whether it's an identified celebrity going into it or influencer going into it, or just you show up to that. I think that that's an important piece of professionalism. So Joe- Thank you so much for joining me I, again. I really appreciate your time and this conversation. I think that you have some really relevant information to share and some good best practices that we can all take away from. And one thing that we had talked about before hitting record is that you know, I've seen this question come up a time or two, and it's not really been something in my inbox. But as I see it pop up here, there, it came up in the collective the other day. And I was like, ah, this is a pattern. I'm starting to see the pattern here. And so I was like, let's go to the podcast. And Joe was like, let's do it. He jumped right on. So again, thank you. Friends, as you're listening, be sure to like, love, and share. Snap us a picture and post it on Instagram. Tag Joe Contagious Events. Tag us. And we'll put his information in the show notes as well. So if you're looking to connect with him, we'll make sure you have an easy way to find him. All right, y'all take care and we'll catch you next week.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go to